The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Simsisms. Phone box. And what does scare me a little bit is if the game gets ugly, like we've talked about it. The game gets ugly, it gets physical, and played in a phone box, yeah. right? Phone it, box. Phone box. <laughs> yeah. I'm phone sure they. Booth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is a box. <laughs> it is a box. That's a, that's a Simsism there for you, everybody. <laughs> I think you've said phone box recently on this program as well. <laughs> I think you have, and I might have let it go in the spirit of the holiday. It, it is funny, though. I can't remember the last time I've seen a phone booth. I've seen pay phones against a wall. Right. I haven't seen one of those in a while, though. Or they'll do the standalone pay phone that isn't in a phone booth. I can't remember the last time I saw or entered an actual old-school push-in I remember when I was a kid struggling with this. Like, where do you push to open this door? Once you're in, it's easy. You just push out. But, like, to get in the damn thing, I remember struggling with that as a kid. How do I open this freaking door to the phone box and get inside? <laughs> well, I I mean, they're not around anymore, right? I mean, it's, I haven't seen one in forever. No. I mean, I, I, I don't know what year or when that exactly was where they were just demolished off of planet Earth. But I know they were such a big part of, of my childhood, certainly. Only one I see now is there's like some rich person in Greenwich where I live, right, where they have like the old school London red phone booth, like in the front of their driveway house in this little quaint decoration. It actually looks pretty good. I know as I'm describing that, people are probably like, what? Someone's got a phone booth by their driveway, but it's kind of. I'm old... looking at one now. Okay, the, the, I'm it's looking at English one now. Red type of house with right. horizontal bars. Exactly right. Yes. It looks very cool. So uh, that's like the only one I can think of that I've seen in forever. 
Didn't Superman used to do his quick change in a phone booth? Yes, he did. I think he did. Right. He'd go in and he'd come yeah. back out and his muscles would be popping and he was ready to go. Not a whole lot of room for Superman to maneuver inside that phone booth. You know what they also Flexible used to do? Guy. This was yeah. This was from the time frame when the guy we're about to talk about was a youth. They used to see how many people they could cram into a phone booth. That was a thing like in the 50s. Right. How many people could you fit into a phone booth? Are you familiar with that? I, I am phenomenon? a little. Yeah, I have, I, I've seen that. Yeah, I have. I have. Now, I mean, I mean, what, what, how many could you really? Five, right? Four, maybe? Well, depends on. It depends on who. If it's you, the answer would be one, barely. <laughs> how so how dare depends. you? I'm kind of slender. It depends on how big. I'm good. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I thought you were going to say it, it depends on the size of the belly of the person. I think that's more where this thing. No, the head's got to go somewhere. <laughs> okay. That's the problem. A little tight so, there. <laughs> uh, there, there. There are pictures out there, and I've seen them of, I don't know, a lot of people. A lot of people in a phone booth. I mean, more than five. A lot of people in a phone booth. All right. Um, phone booth, phone box, whatever. Now now I want to – I don't know where – I'd like to get a phone booth now. I don't know where I'd put it. Yeah, I could put it down at the barn It would barn fit in somewhere. your barn, right. It would fit that look there. You could work – holy crap, that looks – that's a nightmare Oh, right my God. There. Now – that's now, a nightmare. Now, I'd say a few of those people aren't exactly in. I mean, I would think that's so. not – you got legs everywhere. Oh, my God. You're not gosh. really in the phone booth. It's I, just a pile of humans with their front ends in a phone booth. Gosh. That's not – I think that violates the rule of cramming into the phone booth. That, that, that is. That's not exactly what I was thinking there. And, I mean, were, they, were, we that bored? were they that bored in hey, life back in those days? Back up? Go, Let's, hey, we don't know what to do. Let's go cram ourselves in a phone booth. Yes. Yes, we were. Remember when <laughs> – Jason Kelsey was saying that the worst thing about the tush push is being on the bottom. Yeah. The guy at the bottom of oh. this would like to have a word with Jason what? Kelsey. I'd be having like, I, I don't know. I, I used to hate being stuck on the, you know, pile on and everybody'd pile on and you'd get stuck on the bottom. Right. I'm not like a claustrophobic person, but that was one that I was always like, oh my gosh. I yeah, take a deep breath. Holy cow! There's a lot of people on top of you. I, I that's miserable to me. That's a nightmare. That 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 right there is that's that's just uh, that's worse than Twister right there. Sorry, oh I'm not cow. interested in that. That's just you got stuff. No, I'm so I'm not gonna say. I'm just I, I, let's just move on. I I just I'm just I don't like being touched generally, but. Uh, I don't want body parts on the back of my neck. That's for damn sure. Don't you don't want it. man junk on the back of your neck? You didn't want, you were looking for that? You didn't, you didn't want that on your, on your Wednesday morning? All right. Let's, let's Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick on WEI yesterday with something more than a series of grunts and monosyllabic words on what his future will hold as coach of the New England Patriots. Have a listen. Whatever success I have had, I've tried to go about my job the same way every week. Win, lose, you know, good years, bad years, whatever they are each week. Get ready to go for that week. Do the best you can to help your team win. And after that game, move on to the next one. And at the end of the season, that's the end of the season. But on a week-to-week basis, I mean, I don't want to spend time or get caught up in what happened five years ago or what's going to happen two years from now or, you know, I mean, a bunch of other random stuff. So just working on the Jets. Yeah, I'm committed to the team that I'm coaching right now. The players that are here, they deserve my best every day, and that's what I'm going to give them. 
did we speed that up, or did he have like five cups of coffee? I've never heard him talk that fast uh, in his life. Uh, upbeat, there was everything. There was right quality to that. Yes, yeah, I know. Yes. I know. I'm not sure that was him. I it's it's it is. Well, it, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's heard people like us and and other people out there complain about like why does it always have to be so like down and you know borderline disrespectful, right? I you know maybe you know he's not bringing in rings and trophies anymore, and now he realizes, hey, I got to change my attitude a little bit here. I, I don't know, but yeah, that was like I, the first thing I when I heard it, I was like, whoa, Bill's spry and ready to go this morning. Uh, th- that was you don't hear him like that a whole lot, but uh, said a lot of good things, and I don't doubt that. I mean, Bill Belichick, I, I can say just from experience. He is totally focused all the time, and the things he said there, he really does believe, and that's the way he acts, and he shows that, and I'm sure he's showing that today in the in the office of New England. And I don't think him leaving the Patriots is the foregone conclusion that we would assume Sounds like it, it is. That's right. not to say he's staying, but I said this when we were taping our third quarter video the other night that that Robert Kraft is basically going skydiving here and he's in the plane, the planes in the air, the parachutes on the helmets on, you know, the goggles, they go from up here to down here. And then you go to the, the door and you look out and then you decide whether or not you're going to do it. So this whole season has been the plane in the air, the parachute on the helmet on the goggles down and now, after Sunday's game against the Jets, he's going to be standing at the door. Is he going to jump? Because the question is, who do you replace Bill Belichick with? Are you willing to part? Kind of like the same quarterback conversation we had last segment. You know what the guy does well. You know what he doesn't do well. You know where the weaknesses have manifested themselves. Whether it's he's resistant to change, the game has passed him by, he has been too stubborn about the size of his coaching staff because he can't trust anybody. You know, I, I mean, has he embraced the new reality of football the way that he should? And if he had, how much better would he be? But he's still pretty damn good. That's the problem. He's still pretty damn good on game day and preparing what he has on his roster for game day. Are the Patriots willing to move on from that? Knowing that, you know, what's he got? Three, four, five years left as a practical matter? Is there something to be said for saying to the paying customers, we know you're not happy, but we've decided Bill Belichick deserves to stay here as long as he wants to. We've made it through our test year for deciding whether or not we're going to move on for Bill Belichick. We've decided, all things considered, we're not so sure we can do better than what we currently have. Warts and all, attitude issues and all, grunts and disrespect to reporters and anyone else who happens to be in his orbit. That's just the way he is, right? That's the way he is. Yeah. He's still a damn good coach. Damn I could, good coach. I'm not going to be surprised if Robert Kraft decides I'm not willing to risk going backward in the name of going forward or at least staying where we are as a team that can be competitive. We just make a few changes. Maybe we can convince him. Maybe that's what this comes down to. A meeting with Robert Kraft where Kraft says, I want to continue this relationship. Here's what we have to do. Will you do it or will you not do it? And if he says yes, fine. If he says no, see you later. It may be that simple, Chris. Yeah, I I, I think it's fair to say there's some tweaks that need to be made. I certainly wouldn't be shocked if the Kraft family just said, you know what, where we are as an organization, 
we think Bill Belichick is the best to kind of pull us out of this and, you know, get us headed in the right direction once again. I don't think that's crazy, right? But, yeah, there's got to be just, again, you said it right. Belichick, the X, the game is not passing by X's and O's wise. Definitely not. I mean, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills couldn't do anything last week. There's, I, I watched the film yesterday. I mean, there, there, there's nobody open anywhere. They can't do anything. I mean, if if, ba- if they have a quarterback uh, and a, a, a like at least a, a least bit competent quarterback and offense, they're going to beat Buffalo on Sunday. They outplayed Buffalo. I mean, in the Buffalo, you know, with the, the turnovers the New England offense caused, the kick return to start the game, right? You know, I, I, they had them on the ropes. They did, but the New England offense messed up. But I think the the point I was trying to get to there, as I was stumbling a little, is is that yeah, there's got to be tweaks to what you're saying a little bit. Whether that's you know bringing somebody else in there to kind of hey, look like we need to change some personnel on our team and have some fresh ideas, or of course the quarterback offensive coordinator issue that's got to be you know dealt with a little bit. And they're looking like they're going to have a top three or four pick here to where maybe they look at it and go, hey, we can get a special quarterback. We got Belichick. Maybe he can build this thing around this guy and send us off in the right direction when he does decide to leave two, three, four years from now. And think about the way that kids now are wired as they come out of college. They're making money under NIL. Yeah. And, you know, Tom Brady was the perfect guy to step into that Belichick reality because – he was already pre-beaten down by being drafted 199th. He was willing to take whatever Belichick threw at him. He submitted entirely to the idea that it's going to make me better and I'm going to constantly prove myself. And he was in that mindset of I have to prove myself, I have to prove myself. I'm not going to draft a guy who's already proven himself. And that guy may not want to deal with a Bill Belichick. I, so, I, yeah, I think... I think some real changes in attitude are going to have to be made. And maybe that phone call yesterday, possibly made from a phone booth by Bill Belichick, is a sign, very subtle but very real, just the way he talked. Maybe he realizes, like like Tom Coughlin did in 2007, when he changed his ways just enough to not only save his job but win the Super Bowl with the Giants over the Patriots, by the way. Yeah. Maybe Belichick. In his 70s, I think I don't like this notion that people are incapable of changing. I think we all change. We all grow or we don't. Right. But we change. We're not the same person our entire life. Maybe it's possible that as Bill Belichick sees what's coming, he changes in order to maintain the thing that he's been doing since 2000. And I don't know. It's a small little sign. But the way he, I've never heard him talk the way he talked yesterday. I swear. I thought they sped it up or they injected caffeine straight into his veins. Yeah. I've never in 24 years heard him talk that way. Those were early, early years, Bill Belichick type of uh, interview that we saw there. And, you know, again, you said a lot of good things and, and, and I back you up on that. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's still one of the best defensive minds in the game. You know, as we've seen him, his son, Jar- Gerard Mayo, whatever, the defensive staff, they're killing it. They kill it. You know, they know how to evaluate offensive linemen for the most part. They do that. It's, the, the issue has all been about really offensive coordinator and wide receivers. Those are the, and that, and right now, 
You know, in the NFL, those are two big important things in our league. I mean, you you say it every week; it comes up at least one time. Hey, if you got a team, you want to you want to offense a guy to be the head coach because you don't want him to leave. So those are areas where they've really dropped the ball, right? So the other stuff, it's like I don't worry about game planning, X's and O's, and all of that. I think it's a little bit of like, hey, you just got to change your mold or the way you're thinking a little bit about what works offensively in 2023 or 2024, and that's where it's got to be tweaked. But all the injuries they've had on defense, and, I mean, nobody can move the ball on them. I mean, they're they're phenomenal with what they do, and I think that still speaks to where his brain is and how good of a coach he is uh, as far as X's and O's and getting his team ready in that way. And I'm not sure that this can be deprogrammed out of a 70-something Bill Belichick because I believe it goes all the way back to growing up at the Naval Academy and having that military mindset so baked into who he is. I just feel like if he could trust people a little bit more, sure. if it all doesn't have to be a secret, everything that happens in New England is top secret because he's always on the lookout for who it is that might betray him in some way. That is a... That is a rough way to live where where you're constantly looking for spies and scoundrels and those who would stab you in the back. And think of how it limits your ability to be the best you can be and to build a good team of personnel around you when your first thought is, how loyal is this person going to be to me? And is there someone else or some other team out there or somebody else they're working for or somebody else that, they're, that they value their relationship with them when they value the relationship with me. I, I just think that that's held him back. And even despite all that, look at what he's done. It just shows you how good of a coach he is that he's overcome these other issues that I think have, have operated to put one hand behind his back in a lot of cases. Yeah. I, I mean, great coach. They've blown some high draft picks. I think that's what we're talking about and things like that. But They've also killed it with middle round and free agent type picks where you'd go, I've never seen a team have that many type of guys contribute on a football team. Uh, there's been issues, but I, you know, again, I don't know what happens here, but I think we've kind of hit on what needs to be straightened out a little bit with their football team. It, it's really one side of the ball. It's just been a debacle for the last two years. It really has. Now, Josh McDaniels, Hey, he's back in the fold. Does he get back on the offensive staff with the Billy O'Brien? I don't know how that shakes out, right? But having the draft, the, the high draft pick, maybe getting a Drake May or somebody like that up in New England, you know, spending a little money on a big-time free agent, wide receiver, whatever. You know, you look at their football team and you just go, it's all about the offensive side of the ball. The defense really doesn't need a whole lot of tweaking. They got young secondary guys they got ton of talent there their d line has been replenished and have some young talent there linebackers are good so we'll see if they can make the proper adjustments here but yeah it's going to be really interesting to see what happens got no feel for yeah. what's going to happen with belichick here in, in new england the other thing we have to keep our eye on is the very real possibility that Belichick and the Patriots have a loose understanding that they're just going to play it cool while the other coaching searches play out, and then somebody is going to call the Patriots about possibly trading for, and it's not really a trade, but it is a trade, Bill Belichick, and then the separation would come later. I've said all along, though, Bill Belichick has no reason to go along with something like that. He should say to Robert Kraft right out of the gates, keep me or fire me. I'm not going to be a party to this, this deal where – 
the team I go to has to give up draft picks, and it's going to be harder for me to be successful there in order for them to get me. I know ego kind of plays into that. Oh, look at what they gave up to get me. It also hampers your ability to be as competitive as you could be when your new team has to give up stuff to get you in the first place. But that is something to keep an eye on because there are some who believe it's just got to play out over a few weeks, which means once teams do their searches, once teams get to a point where they're like, well, we can't find anybody we really like, let's pick up the bat phone and call Robert Kraft and try to get Bill Belichick. People are watching that as well. Sean McVay, it's been a strange couple of years for him. The opportunity emerged to go to Amazon. That's well-documented. That's been reported. Amazon wanted him to pair with Al Michaels a couple of years ago. At the end of the day, he got more money from Stan Kroenke, and he stayed put. Then at the end of one season, after writing the check that was necessary to go all in to win the Super Bowl, Sean McVay realized maybe I should have taken the Bezos money when I could have, and he was teetering on possibly leaving last year. Well, now that things have turned around... He's got a new outlook, and he also knows there isn't a $20 million a year seat out there in broadcasting. They don't just become available every year. There isn't one this year. So he's already made it known on the Sean McVay show on LA Rams or the Rams.com. He's sticking around for next year. This isn't a surprise. There's no reason for him to be feeling the same stuff he was feeling last year. This is an uplifting, positive season of overachievement that renews his faith in the organization and and underscores his desire to keep coaching. Yeah, I, well, I, I know. It was one of those where it was a little bit like, wait, did I miss something? Did, was Sean McVay, did, you know, was there a rumor out there that he might step away? You know, we've we, we already got passed through the, the hard part of the tough decision, like you said, you know, ap, you know, after last year. That's it. They've turned the corner for the better now. I mean, all the hard work is, that's done. You survived that, you know, in, in a big-time way. Right in a positive big time way, so now we're getting into hey you've exceeded expectations. You can make a case that they're playing as good a football in the NFC as anybody other than the 49ers. They're dangerous, right? The quarterback is healthy and didn't get his ass beat into the ground all year long, so it looks like he's still got a bunch of years left in front of him. You know, you got a superstar running back. You got another superstar receiver. They got draft picks this year, finally. They got money to spend this year, finally. Damn, he weathered the storm. I hope he's going to stay. You know, they're set up now to start making a push to be, you know, what they were three and four years ago, which was a contender to win the Super Bowl every year in the NFC. So we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, I'm not expecting McVay to go anywhere anytime soon. But I will say this. There was a question of whether or not he was burning out. Yeah, right. Young guy. Yeah. Got a small child now, baby boy born in October. I think if and when the ship comes back in, whether it's Amazon, whether it's any other network, with a big old bag of money, as much or close to it that he's getting to coach the Rams, that may be the moment that he says, all right, I blew my chance the last time, I regretted it, and now my ship literally has come in again and off I go 10, 15 years in the broadcast booth and then maybe come back and coach when, you know, that period of time has gone by. Kind of like what John Gruden did, kind of like what Dick Vermeil did. That still, I think, is in play for McVay. I hear you. It's not relevant until one of these seats opens up that's going to pay him a ton of money. When it does, that could be when he decides to, to take a hiatus from coaching. All right. Uh, 
Will he win coach of the year? Still fairly wide open, although I think with what the Browns have done through four starting quarterbacks, 11 wins, one of the best teams in football, Kevin Stefanski, deservedly the clear favorite right now at minus 1,000. you got to bet 100 to win 10 on Kevin Stefanski. Next is Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryan's the exact same odds at plus 1,100. Dan Campbell, who was the favorite for weeks, he has settled, as has McDaniel Harbaugh. There's McVay way down there. Shanahan, I think that loss to the Ravens. Yeah, there were people arguing for Shanahan before the loss to the Ravens. After the loss to the Ravens, nobody's been arguing for Shanahan. I, I really do think it is Stefanski. We'll make our final votes next Wednesday. Remember, next Wednesday, Chris, we got to get our ballots in. All pro votes are due on Monday at 5 p.m. I didn't realize they were due so soon. But uh, 5 p.m. Wednesday, Coach of the Year, and, 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 again, it's not my final decision. This week could change my mind. But if I had to vote right now, it would be Stefanski number one. Number two and number three, I don't know what I would do. I'd have to think about it. I think it depends clearly on what happens this week. But right now, Stefanski is the guy, as the odds would indicate. Yeah, I, I understand that. I get it. I, I, I can get behind that. It, this is a tough year. It really is. I, I, it's as a, a tough a year as I can remember in having this conversation. It it really is. I, you know, I, I mean, because, too, I, I do think, you know, the teams that we look at that are the top two teams in each conference, right, those were remarkable jobs by both of those coaches. I know we always want to give it to the guys that, like, you know, they exceeded expectations, right? But, damn, I mean, I don't know. It, it just was it, it was – we all knew – Everybody knew out there that Mr. Irrelevant again was going to have this type of year and they were going to be the number one seed. Just boom. You know, I saw a lot of people that questioned that this offseason, but now it's like it happened. Everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, I expected it to happen. You know, and so uh, that, that's, that, that's where I would still fight for Shanahan. Harbaugh, what he had a deal, all the new players, the, the changing of the offensive coordinator, the Lamar contract situation, all of that. I don't. This is one of those years where I look at the favorites and kind of go, I feel kind of good about the favorites, you know. And Stefanski certainly right up there in that conversation, uh, no doubt about it. But like Dan Campbell, the same type of thing. The expectations, can they answer them? The culture change, it goes into a little bit of last year and the year before too. But uh, that's where I find it very hard, and I'm going to have to think long and hard about this one before I make my vote, that's for sure. I think Harbaugh deserves real consideration, and I know that the AP awards don't include executive of the year. I don't know why they haven't added that. That's kind of been like the sporting news thing, and yes, the sporting news is still around even though they haven't been in print for years. We do one at PFT. It's going to be hard not to make it Eric DaCosta this year when you go all the way back to the handling of the Lamar situation, handling it exactly the way they did, working out the contract, putting all the pieces in place for what has been a potential championship roster. It's going to be hard to come up with somebody other than Eric DeCosta for what they've done this year. And one more name real quickly. Matt LaFleur, what he's done with the Packers, they get to the playoffs. Not that LaFleur becomes a favorite, but yeah, it's a I don't great think, job. I think people expected to 
the Packers to contend for a playoff berth in the first year post Aaron Rodgers. So I think that that's I, a name I had them in the playoffs. Should at least be on so that you know, graphic. Just wanted to let you know I had them okay. in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Well, they still haven't made it yet, Chachi. So maybe <laughs> okay. they won't. All right. All right. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet five dollars and pocket one hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. When we return. Power rankings for the final week of the regular season. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. (laughs) Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. To the left, Zappi in the shotgun. Takes the snap, looking to his left, fires quickly, and it's picked off! Rasul Douglas at the 40, on his feet, to the 30, to the 25, down to the 15, 10, 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! Rasul Douglas, the playmaker, does it again! Play action, Minshew, feeling pressure, taking a shot downfield for Alec Pierce, he's got it! Yards after the catch, the 10, Angley right for the 5, and he's at the pylon, touchdown! Two-yard strike, a bomb from Gardner Minshew to Alec Pierce. Cross to the right to Travis Etienne. Got a little bit of a block, 40, 45, pull on the right sideline, 40, 35, 30, 25. Travis Etienne still on his feet. Travis Etienne to the goal line. Touchdown, Travis Etienne, an explosive run. Six-man rush, Stidham climbs the pocket, throws on the run, pass caught. Strike thrown. That is Lil Jordan Humphrey spins away. Breaks a tackle. Breaks another tackle. Here we go. 20. Lil Jordan Humphrey. 15. 10. 5. To the goal line. Touchdown, Denver. Stidham to Lil Jordan Humphrey, who was big Jordan Humphrey on that catch and run. Flacco got hit. He rolls out of the hit. He runs it. Then he throws it. And Ford caught it at the 30, at the 20.
That was really the play of the week. Joe Flacco, 38 years old, available to anyone who wanted to sign him. And that's another reason why Kevin Stefanski should get real consideration for coach of the year. Even though he's not the GM, he had to be on board with it. They saw something in Flacco, fourth starting quarterback of the year, and Browns are looking pretty good as the postseason approaches. So, Chris, with that, it's time for the power rankings. Oh, yeah. Presented by Toyota. Where are the Browns? Where are the other teams? Where, Where are, are the Browns? That's what I want to know. Where are they? Where would you put them? Uh, the Browns are, drumroll please, they're at number six. Should they be higher than number six? I think they should be. I think they should. Where? Uh, Who would you put them in front of? I'd put them put them a, I think of? I'd put them at number four right now. That's where I'd put them. I think they're worthy of that. I, I think they have one of the most elite units in all of football with their defense and what they do there. And then, of course, we know their offense ain't bad either. There's some weapons there, right? So, you know, that. That, to me, is they're, they're the team to watch out that could maybe upset our 49ers-Ravens Super Bowl matchup that I think we all think is going to come. Uh, the Bills are, But there's I, no orange in the logo. I, there's no orange in I the know, logo. Right, it can't happen. Right. It'll, they'll have to rip up the script and write something new, right? But I think they'll like that, that Hollywood ending with Joe Flacco coming to town. But, yeah, they're the ones I look at. Now, you know what my thought is with the Browns. I wish they'd – as much as we're going to give Stavansky coach of the year, right, and I don't know how much he has to listen to the analytics department. You know, I've heard times that the analytics department, they help manage the football game in there in Cleveland. I don't know that for sure, but I wonder that. And you know my thoughts there. They're a little just too aggressive and loose across the board. But, damn, you know, they're – such a fun team to watch, and they are in your face so aggressive. And that defense, like I've said to you for the last eight or nine weeks, they give me 2015 Broncos vibes in a big way. And then, of course, Flacco, old quarterback, like Peyton Manning, all of that. That's where I look at Cleveland and say, watch out. You better stop disrespecting them. I'm going to get your family from Cleveland on your ass on a daily basis until you start giving them respect. <laughs> They're at number six. They're at number six. How much more respect can you give them? Look, I'm already dealing with all the Lions fans who think we're anti-Lions because, God forbid, we point out the, the issue with the two-point conversion. That's on the, on the docket for later in the program. So if I put them in front of the Lions, oh, there's more reason you hate the Lions. Put them in front of the Cowboys, and you got to deal with the Cowboys fans. Browns fans, I think, are just happy to be in the top 10. They're happy to be number six. They're happy to be in this conversation this late in the season and to be lurking. The Browns are just kind of lurking. The Browns are ready to make their move. And I'm telling you, Browns-Ravens, divisional round, oh. it falls that way. Oh. What a game that could be. What could, could, it, could it fall to where we don't even have to waste it on the divisional round? I just got to make sure. I mean – you know, I, gosh, there's a part of me that's like, man, can we wait and make that the AFC championship game? That would be incredible as well. But either way, as as long as they play, the old Browns versus the new Browns uh, would be phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. Certainly one of my, like, favorite matchups to look forward to in the playoffs. That and, of course, the Lions and the Rams would be the other one that I would really look forward to. I mean, depending upon how it all falls, the – you know, it's because you've got two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. Yeah, they need the six or seven. Round or you need the six or seven to win. So the one seed right. plays the lower seed, and then the Browns can play. 
you know, whoever that is, the two or three seed, the Chiefs, whatever, Dolphins, and then meet up in the AFC Championship. That's the way it would have to play out. We'd have to have one of those six or seven teams uh, win so the one seed plays the, the lowest seed. Yeah, the one seed can face four, five, six, or seven in the divisional round. Right. The only teams that they're not going to see are number two and number three. Yep. All the other ones are in play for the one seed in the divisional round. And right now, the Browns are locked in as the five seed. They'll be most likely playing at the AFC South champion, whoever it turns out to be. And then if the two seed and the three seed, whoever it turns out to be, although we know that the Chiefs are locked in at three, we don't know who the two seed is. If two and three win in the wild card round, it will be if the Browns win in the wild card round, Browns at Ravens in the divisional round. That that would be that would be something yeah. if that happened. It would the be. Bills at number three, right. even though the Bills have not yet clinched a playoff spot. It's amazing to think the number three team in the entire NFL right now might not make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm not going to lie. I might have put the Browns at three. That's That's how highly I think of them. But I'm with you in what you're saying with the Bills. Now, what I am a little – the Bills D, awesome. You know, we're getting deeper into the Joe Brady experiment. The offense has lost a little luster. I know they ran the ball down the throat of the Dallas Cowboys, right? And But but people can do that against Dallas. There's We're talking like three games in a row now here where the pass game offense has got nothing, nothing. And as I told you earlier in the show – I watched that film yesterday against New England's defense, and there's nothing. There's nothing there. So that that does concern me. You know, the best thing they got going for them right now is running the ball, Josh Allen design runs, and almost like the old school Baltimore uh, Lamar Jackson Ravens type of stuff, right? Is what they got going for them. I think is the best thing they do in their offense right now. But it's going to be interesting to see, and, and of course, fun to watch this weekend on Sunday night against the Dolphins. Any other things yes, that stand out? Yes, I got one the, more. The, what? I got what? one more, and they also begin with a B. And, yeah, it's my other man crush team. You're disrespecting the Bears. The Bears at 21, they'd kick the shit out of the Bengals, the Broncos, the Bucks, the Saints, the Seahawks, and I might even take them to beat the Packers this week. I mean, let's I, they're only one game worse than all those teams you had on their record, and – they're, they've won, what, five out of seven? I think you're disrespecting the Bears. See, I'm, that, that term about kicking the crap out of teams, that, that's I know, I'm that was, I better be aware. I'd be careful. I don't know if I mean that. Take that back. Either way, they can compete with all those teams. I do like them to beat the Bengals, the Broncos. Uh, man, everything I say there, I don't want to say no. kick the crap, but I like them. I like them to beat just about any of those teams in front of them right now, the way they've played over the last five or yeah. six weeks. Yeah. Here's the here's the practical reality of the situation. By the time I get to the back half of the power rankings by week 18, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'll just really admit, I don't care. And I mean, it's over for all those teams on the back half. Although the Buccaneers and Saints are still in play to make it yeah. to the postseason. Yep. Everybody and the and the Falcons. Everybody else is pretty much done. Everybody else is either eliminated or damn close to it it doesn't matter at this point it's about next year so i i didn't put a lot of detailed thought in whether or not the bears recent surge should push them higher than they are i don't disagree with that i just don't know how much higher they can go on this list i wouldn't put them in front of the buccaneers just in 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 part because the buccaneers are still alive yeah i hear you 
I hear Maybe you. the Bears would beat the Buccaneers right now. I don't know. But the thing is, it just doesn't matter at this point. Once the Bears are eliminated, it doesn't matter. All right. All right. Fine. Fine. I thought, you know, right. I thought these were real power rankings where you really ranked them on their power right now. Now I know there's something I do. different. Here. I do. But by the end of the season, I don't care. I'm, <laughs> okay. I don't care All right. about the back half of the power rankings. Maybe I should just limit them to 16. I think next the year it should be the Toyota. We don't give a crap about 11 through 32. It's the top 10 Toyota power rankings by Florio. <laughs> hey, hey, Toyota only sells their good cars. They don't sell bad cars. Not that they have any bad cars. So by the end of the season, you know, you've separated the wheat from the chaff. You focus on your strength. I the guess what? the better metaphor would separate be when they have the what from the what? separate there? the wheat from the chaff. The wheat from the chaff. It's, trust me. Trust okay. me. Dave. All right. I've covered that with you at Texas, but it's a thing. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm trying, I'm trying to salvage the Toyota relationship here and say this would be the equivalent of like having car designs. They know the good cars. They know which ones to actually green light and build by the end of the model year planning session. The back half of the power rankings by now are all the designs that they said, "Mm, not this year. Maybe next year, not this year. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the NFL has announced its very stiff, very stern, very harsh punishment for Panthers owner David Tepper. That's next year on PFT Live. The National Football League announced on Tuesday, late afternoon, the punishment that would be imposed on Panthers owner David Tepper for throwing his drink into the stands at Everbank Stadium as Scott Fitterer stands there wishing he could teleport anywhere but there in that moment. That's Fitterer with his hands in his pockets. He's the GM of the team. $300,000 was the punishment. Said Tepper, I am deeply passionate about this team and regret my behavior on Sunday. I should have let NFL Stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's disciplinary or discipline, excuse me, for my behavior. So that's like he's kind of saying he's kind of saying I was provoked without saying he was provoked. I should have let NFL security handle it. Basically, somebody was being a jerk and and I in a weak moment gave in. It's still no excuse for it. And, Chris, $300,000 is no punishment whatsoever. $300,000 for a guy with a net worth of $20.6 billion. I did the math last night, and it was not easy to do because the calculator on the iPhone doesn't go up to $20.6 billion. So I had to get creative to figure out what it was. But $300,000 is 0.0014% of his entire net worth. It is nothing. I did the math. If you're worth a million dollars, it's $14. That's what it is. So if you're worth a million dollars and you throw a drink on someone, they find you $14 and you say, fine, give me another drink and give me somebody else to throw a drink Damn, on. Damn, give it's me nothing. two so I can throw peanuts. another drink on somebody it's, else and drink one myself. It's, <laughs> it's, it's peanuts. It's costs, it costs less than the drink itself at most bars nowadays to throw the drink on somebody. No. So I, I, I made the point Monday, Bud Adams, the late owner of the Titans was fined $250,000 in 2009 for the double barreled middle fingers at the Buffalo bills on a day that the Titans beat the bills. So how is 250,000 15 years ago, even remotely comparable to 300000 for throwing a drink on someone, committing a battery of someone. I mean, he can still be sued for this by whoever got the drink thrown on them. Not that the damages would be 
astronomical, but it's kind of the point of it. Like, you've got these really rich people treating the commoners like a garbage can. I'm going to throw my drink on you. I, I just can't. I, I mean, I know there are far worse things going on in the world right now and far bigger problems. I'm just stunned that this happened. I'm stunned by the punishment. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about this, and the point was made that I hadn't thought of. Of all the things Daniel Snyder did that made him look like a not nice person during his 24 years as owner of the Washington franchise, he never threw a drink on anybody. I mean, you would expect that was something he did. Not even Daniel Snyder threw a drink on somebody at a game that we know of. So I, I, it just, I, I just think it was so stunning. I just wonder if people even process what it means for someone worth that much money who owns an NFL team to actually get that upset to throw a drink on a stranger at a game. That's not how someone like that should, should conduct themselves. They should be happy. They got $20.6 billion. And I know it's not all about money. Money can't buy happiness, but it sure helps, folks. When you got it, it sure helps. I think, I think the sun shines a little bit brighter if you know you got $20.6 billion. Well, it, yeah, uh, you know, first off, it, it's the example you're setting. You're supposed to be part of leadership in the NFL, definitely. And I think it speaks to more of, you know, what we see in this country a little altogether. I'm really rich, and I want what I want when I want it, and I don't care. And I'm going to act like a five-year-old baby, then so what? I don't care. I'm rich and eat it. That's kind of what we see, and this kind of is that type of conduct. And that's where it's unfortunate. The NFL's got to find a different way. They got to find something else. They do. This means nothing. This is a guy that just fired Frank Reich, as he said, and is giving him, I mean, it's one year. He's millions and millions of dollars. You, re- you really think 300000 is doing anything to disrupt his day? That's where, I, again, I have a problem. It's just, it, it's not right. They got to figure out something else. They do. You can't have a player lose $50,000 in a week for getting fined for, like, I don't know, protecting himself. He lowered his head because somebody else was about to knock his head off and they go, well, hey, that's like, uh, you know, uh, a tenth of your wealth, 10% of your wealth this year, and go, well, that's okay. But the billionaire who disrespects and, yeah, like you said, battery and whatever else, eh, here you go. Like it's, it's, it's BS. They got to find something else there that, that does not hit home. That's not going to scare him. And, uh, it doesn't hit home enough to the players as far as showing them the example that should be set forth by, by ownership in the league. And underscores the double standard that the owners get protected and the players are the ones who truly get punished. They feel the real punishment point that I made when Jim Ursay was suspended Six games, I think it was, back in 2013, 2014, after an off-field incident. He still got the money that his team generated. He still got every penny of it. He didn't lose any money. He just wasn't allowed to go to the games. And I think for something like what Tepper did, at a minimum, he should have been told, week 18, you're staying home. One game suspension, minimum. You're staying home for week 18. I think that he should voluntarily say, I'm staying home. I'm as an example to everyone out there because I wasn't able to conduct myself in an adult manner. Regardless of how much money I have, I wasn't able to conduct myself like a responsible adult. I'm just going to stay home this weekend. I'm not going to attend the game. I'd like to I'd like to think that that he would recognize the value of the message that would send. And I think one of the reasons it took 
almost 48 hours or more than 48 hours for a punishment to arise. I, I suspect the league, I don't know this, but I think it would make sense the league tried to get him to do it on his own, and he probably didn't want to do it. He probably didn't want to do it. He probably, you know, I'll do it again. I don't know that he would say that, but that's just kind of the attitude. I do what I want, and that's your point. We're in an age where if you have enough money, if you have enough power, you just do what you want, and you don't worry about the consequences because the consequences are never going to be anything remotely strong enough to get you to say, maybe I shouldn't have done that. No. All right, let's take a break. That's right. No, they need to like take draft picks away with this type of stuff. That, that's what it has to happen. They got to make it to where that would stop it. It's thrown in your that face. That would stop it from happening. It'll be thrown in your face because then it's going to get brought up during draft time and then after the draft, and that's the only thing that's going to embarrass these guys a little bit. To me, that's the best thing you can do. The money he's got three hundred thousand dollars cash crammed into some penny loafer in his closet, probably in multiple. It means nothing. It's nothing. It's it's stupid. I don't even care about the fine. Right. There's need to be something else done. That would hit home more. And, and you know what? Let's I know we need to take a break, but let's let's think about this. When Stephen Ross and the Dolphins yeah. dared to try to line up the Sean Payton, Tom Brady combo, right. one point five million dollar fine and suspended through the middle of October of the twenty twenty two season. So if you mess with one of your partners, we're gonna come down on you. But if you mess with the common folk Ah, that's okay. It's basically a parking ticket. Not even that when you consider how much money. And they took a first-round pick away, right? Exactly, exactly. First-round pick and a million and a half fine and suspended through October, all because he was trying to set up, and I'm not minimizing it, it was a violation of the rules, but a much more harsh punishment for doing something against a partner than for doing something against a customer. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird to me. I hadn't thought of it that way. But, boy, it, that that makes it seem like they're far more interested in protecting themselves from themselves than protecting the customers from themselves, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. It does. And, and yeah, I don't think it's it's a, a great thing to have out there. I don't. And uh, it doesn't doesn't look good on the NFL. And I think if, you know – we, if people could, I think what people, it'll appease a lot of people because they'll go, oh, $300,000, that's a lot of money. But I think if they a watch money. this, they, yeah, they, but if they watch this clip, they'd go, oh, yeah, you're right. That, that doesn't mean Jack diddly squat to that guy right there. That's stupid, actually. That's not even going to, like, make him think twice about doing it again. You know, like you said, like you, like you said, hey, give me two drinks the next time. I'm going to drink one and dump one on the next fan. So what? Who cares? It means nothing. And, yeah, I just don't think that's a great example to set by the NFL. And you just wonder how this continues to unfold. You don't have people around you to check your behavior. Your behavior continues. You feel like you got away with it. It makes you a little more emboldened to keep going. Does he cross a line that gets him in real trouble at some point with the league? Does he end up being the next Dan Snyder who has to sell the team? We'll see. But I doubt that anything that happened this week is going to cause him to take a long look in the mirror and say, I need to change my ways. I need to change my attitude. I need to treat people better. I need to not be quite so. It's just too much. You know, I just, just too. You got to, you just got to, at some point, you just got to sit back and let things go. He wants to win so badly that it's got him all twisted up. He's as bad as the worst fan you would see sitting in the front row with a, a jersey on. We got to take a break. All right. Jerry Jones weighs in on 
the real controversy of the week, the two-point conversion attempt from the Lions-Cowboys game. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. What was your understanding? What were you thinking? And what is your final understanding of that two-point conversion play that the whole sports world is talking about? Well, I think uh, it certainly, uh, uh, there were many times in that entire sequence of plays, uh, the plays before it, the one where we got the whipping or the the tripping penalty Mm -hmm. uh, really impacted our decision-making. We were obviously trying to score. And uh, that was a critical play. There were a lot of plays that happened there. And uh, I just can't believe the uh, convoluted way that uh, uh, we ended up uh, winning that ball game. Uh, First and foremost, the uh, uh, defensive team is supposed to know, it's clear, uh, who the ineligible, who the receiver is eligible that might not have been deemed eligible. That's clear. The rule calls for that. You're supposed to know that if you're playing defense. Anything you do to fuzzy that up uh, and get fuzzied up, and that's what happened. Wow, Dan Skipper, I did not effing report. You can read the lips there. But you ran at him with your arms like this inside your body and tried to actually make it look like you did, and that ain't cool. So that's where it's a no-no. If you make things fuzzy, sometimes it's going to get fuzzy for you, to paraphrase Jerry Jones. And that prompted the NFL yesterday to send out a memo. They're not changing anything. We reported that on Monday. They're not going to change anything. They don't see the need to change it. The obligation is on the player who is reporting to clearly do so. The Lions confused the situation in an effort to confuse the Cowboys. That's not what it's supposed to be. You have to clearly communicate to the referee by both a physical signal up and down your chest and report to the referee the intention to report as an eligible receiver. It's about having a fair opportunity for the defense to match what the offense is doing. And it's it's a very simple concept. You have players wearing numbers that make them, by rule, ineligible to run a pattern and catch a pass. 50 to 79 and 90 to 99. If you're wearing one of those numbers and you're going to line up in a spot where you're eligible to go catch a pass, you've got to report ahead of time. That's it. And the Lions were going to do that And they were going to try to confuse the Cowboys as to which of their ineligible players was actually eligible. They took it a little too far. They got a little too cute. And it blew up on them. And I just wish they would admit it. I understand why they're not admitting it. Because it gives them a nice chip on the shoulder going into the postseason. I get it. I just wish they would admit it. Because they tried to confuse the Cowboys. And in so doing, they confused the official. And that's why the video was sent out yesterday. Reminding the teams... It's their obligation to properly follow the procedure. And sending three guys to the referee is really not within the spirit of the procedure. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, if you didn't say you were eligible or whatever, then why'd you run at the referee like you were, right? I mean, that's the other thing I want to say, too. You know, and you're a guy that usually reports as eligible. In fact, like you said, it was six times the week before. The referee knows that. We've talked about that yesterday. So, yeah, I, I don't I just I don't love this aspect of football. But, and again, I'm going to make it clear. If I was a coach, I would try to deceive and confuse as well. But as a fan who's sitting here and loves the sport 
and looks at ways that the sport could be better. I just wish they would get rid of this stuff altogether. If you want to report as eligible and do that, and you line up at the traditional tight end spot, right, and we're trying to get an extra tackle in the game, right, to run the football, Mike, and then get, hey, we want to keep him eligible because, hey, he's at a tight end spot. Maybe we'll throw a play-action pass to him one day. That's fine. But this, like, juggling around and this tackle is going to be the tight end and the tackle is going to be the, 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 uh, the tight end on this side and he's going to be eligible and this one's not going to be eligible. Again, th- that, that's not football. I, I don't know what the hell that is. And that's where I wish the competition committee would look at this and kind of streamline this and make it a little bit, you know, less BS, in my opinion, if they would do it that way. To allow the defense an opportunity to match personnel and to avoid deception and ensure fairness, the player must immediately report the change in eligibility status to the referee who will inform the defense and make an announcement to the stadium. That's what they explained yesterday. I think you could go a step farther and you could make a rule that said if multiple players approach the referee in a manner that suggests they're both reporting, not reporting, whatever, there would be a way to word it that what the Lions did there was a foul, that you can't do that. Only one player can, can approach, can the, approach ref. the referee right, right. To, to indicate eligibility for a given play. That, that makes it as simple as it possibly can be. All right, we've got to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. The quirky research account on X is worth a follow. I did not know about this. On this day in 1965, the NFL Players Association ended its annual meeting by demanding that the league championship be decided in a three-game series. Wow. I'm surprised it ever happened, and why the hell would the NFLPA make demanding a three-game series one of their big pieces of contention? It's more games. I, I don't know. They well, typically yeah. wouldn't want to play more games. I don't know what the deal is there. Did the players not want to, like, do just a one-game, you know, for it all type of scenario? And, of course, I, the thing I think of is just baseball, of course, being the king sport in our country at that point. Maybe that's the way the players looked at it, that it was more fair to have a series and not just bet it all on one game, I, I'm guessing. Well, and, you know, the end result was the following year, they wouldn't have a three-game series. They would have an extra game between the NFL and AFL champions. So they kind of got what they wanted. They got an extra game in the form of the first Super Bowl, which wasn't the Super Bowl at the time. It was the AFL-NFL championship game. By the way, by the way, thanks to those who have pointed out, because I said earlier I wasn't able on my iPhone calculator to do $20.6 billion. I was going to do 300000 divided by $20.6 billion. Very high-tech solution. If you turn the phone horizontal, all of a sudden, you got room for a lot more numbers. You can go $20.6 billion. There, there, there it is. I got $20.6 billion. I got $20.6 trillion. I got $20.6 quadrillion. Thanks to turning it sideways. High-tech solutions are always the best ones. Oh, gosh. You know, you know, you're really showing your age there. You didn't even know you could turn your phone on the side and get all these extra numbers. Jeez. I mean, yeah, you are getting old. You're going to be one of those guys. You're going to, like, what, are you going gonna to revert to the flip phone at one day here and go back to that just because you can't understand nope. it? 
You know who emailed me that I had to turn it sideways to get really big numbers? What person was that? You know who did? What? Who? Your, your accountant. <laughs> your accountant. <laughs> You're funny. Yeah. <laughs> Can't he hide money. Need, you don't need to Can't go sideways money. with my accountant, okay? You don't need to go sideways. <laughs> it can fit in the normal way with me. <laughs> That's it for today. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you see ya. tomorrow. Have a good one. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.